0: to guide us, to speak to us, and just to reveal to us His glorious Word. Lord Jesus, we do want to just say, thank you, Lord. Lord, as your Word tells us to have hearts of thanksgiving, Lord, for all that you are and for all that you've done, Lord, and all that you're going to do, Lord. Lord, this is a glorious time, Lord, as we get into your Word and just to sit at your feet and to hear from you. Lord, it is your desire that... uh, We would know all about you, Lord. It is your desire that we would know everything about you, that You would, as we learn about you, Lord, that we would obey you, Lord, and just be sensitive, Lord Jesus, to the things that you are calling us to do, Lord. May our hearts be open, Lord, to receive your word, Lord, for, Lord, every single one of us here, we want to be better, Lord. We want to be more like you, and we do know that your word, it transforms us, Lord into your glorious image. And that's what we want, Lord. We want to be cleansed. We want to be transformed, Lord. And as Nancy shared earlier, Lord, we want to be contagious, Lord. We want to have a passion for your name that others, Lord Jesus, would see us and they would desire, Lord, that which is in us and that is you. So we pray now that you would do a glorious work. Holy Spirit, just take control of this place. May there be an outpouring of your spirit. May there be revival in our hearts, Lord to do the things that you are calling us to do. We love you. We praise yes. you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we are starting a, uh, a new book, and uh, this book, like the book of Romans, is extremely doctrinal, and it's doctrinal when it comes to, uh, to Jesus Christ. Everything we need to know about the Lord is, uh, is written here in his word, and so uh, so it's going to be very, uh, very informative, and most of all, as, as we're going to see that these things would be remembered and, and written on the tablets of our hearts. Uh, just to give you a history about this book, as we do always before we get into a book, uh, it's important that you know what's going on, and, and uh, everything that we know about the book is what we want to convey to you. As far as who wrote the Book of Hebrews, I'm going to share this with you. No one really knows. We can all have guesses as to who wrote the book of Hebrews, and I'm going to talk about a couple of those. Uh, the first is Paul. Uh, many believe that uh, Paul has written this epistle, and many have called it the epistle of Paul, and the reason they believe this is, is because of, uh, of just uh, the things that he writes about, and uh, many are similar to the, th- to the previous teachings from other books, but we also know that that uh, the style is very different, though, and that's why people begin to doubt and begin to question whether Paul has actually written this book. Uh, we have early church fathers like Origen and, and uh, Clement of Alexandria that quotes this to be the epistle of Paul. Uh, and so with that, you know, no one is really for certain as to who wrote the, the book, but uh, others have said it is Barnabas. Do you remember Barnabas, the partner of Paul? when they went on their first missionary journey. Many believe that it is Barnabas. And as far as the teachings are concerned, Paul and Barnabas spent much time together. So it is believed that, uh, that it's a possibility that, that uh, Barnabas wrote this book. And also, this book has been quoted as an epistle of Barnabas by the early church fathers, and one of them was Tertullian. And he said that it was the epistle of Barnabas. There's also early manuscripts that show that that uh, when they canonized several of the books, that one of the titles that was given to the book of Hebrews was was uh, uh, called the Epistle of Barnabas. So again, that one is also another one that uh, that people say may have written the book. Uh, others are Luke and Sylvanus and uh, Philip the Evangelist, or Priscilla and Apollos. So uh, you know there are many that say, and the reason why. It is said that uh, the reason why there are many guesses as to who the author is is because the author is never identified. When he wrote the letter, he never said it was written by this person. It was written by him. But ultimately, does it really matter who wrote the book? Who wrote wrote the, the Old and the New Testament? The Holy Spirit, right? Actually, the Holy Spirit is the one that wrote all scriptures And as we know, one thing that they are all inspired books by the Holy Spirit. Now to tell you when it was written, this is also questionable because again, there are not any, uh, there's not any time frame. If we don't know who wrote it, then it's hard to identify when it was written. And so we do know one thing is that the early church fathers in 95 AD, they quoted the book of Hebrews. So that means that the book of Hebrews had to have written before 95 AD. And one thing that we know about the book of Hebrews is that the temple is mentioned many times. And ceremonies are mentioned many times. So that gives us another clue. The other clue would be that, you know what? If if he was still talking about the temple and the various ceremonies that were done at the temple, that means that the temple was still in place. Meaning that in 70 A.D., the temple was completely destroyed. And that is when the Jews were all scattered from Jerusalem. And so we know if, if that is the case, if he's quoting, uh, that the te- or if he's talking about the temple, so we know that it had to have been written then before 70 A.D. And again, if we think about this, I mean, you know, We know one thing, that God's word is timeless, right? That God's word applies to us. So again, you know, when it comes to the timing of the book, it's really not that important. But some people have placed the year to be 68 or 69 A.D. when it was written. And now let's talk about to who it was written. As we see here, it's the epistle to the Hebrews. Who are the Hebrews? The Jews, right? So we know one thing as a title is given that This book was written to Jewish Christians. It was written to the Jewish Christians. And and it was written to them because, you know, as 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 we're going to talk about, it's written to them because they needed to hear something. They needed to hear a message from the Lord. And most believe that these Hebrews that it was written to were would have been some sort of church. As far as the location of the church, we have no idea where it was written, uh, what location. Uh, these Jewish Christians, uh, what church they belong to. But ultimately, it's written for all people, and it is written for us. What is the purpose of the book? You know, as I mentioned a uh, uh, a few seconds ago, you know, this book was written for Jewish Christians to continue to keep the faith. You know, their faith was under attack. And we need to understand, just like it is today, our faith is under attack. And so we have here that these Jewish Christians, their faith was being tested. Their faith was being persecuted. Their faith was being questioned. And these Jewish Christians, they were tempted to go back into their religion. These Jews were tempted to go back into their Jewish religion. And I want to talk about this because I think this can hit home with many of us. When we look at our lives How many here came out of a religion? I think most everyone here came out of a religion. Maybe some of you were born into the Christian faith. But most of us, I believe, have been what? Grew up in religion. And do you remember when you came to the Lord? How your parents reacted. When you opened up your heart to Jesus Christ. You know, by grace, through faith, you accepted them and you received them as a gift of God. And when you told your spouse, what was their reaction? You know, as we think about our loved ones, our children, you know, when we've shared with them who we are now, how did they react? You know what, and it hasn't been easy for some of us, right? As we think about our faith, as we think about our walk with Christ, Some of our parents that have rejected us. Some of our spouses that have rejected us. And so we begin to question, you know what, is this where I should continue? You know what, why do I want to continue to be, you know, afflicted and persecuted because of my love for Christ? It was so much easier before, wasn't it? And so you have this letter that is an encouragement to those that came out of a religion. You know, to understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one else gets to the Father but through Him. It is not one of laws. You know, of laws which which bring us closer to the Lord. Man-made laws that say you need to do this and you need to do that. But it is one based on grace. It is one based on love. And we know that many people are in bondage to religion, right? Right? You know, I personally know people, loved ones that I have, that are in bondage to religion. And why are they in bondage to religion? One of the reasons is it puts them in control. And I want to expound on that. Why does it put them in control? Because salvation is based upon them. It is not based upon the finished work of Christ. See, we're all so used to being in control, right? Right? And so when we're in control, we know that salvation is based on us. It's on what I do. They cannot rest on the finished work of Christ. They say that's too easy, right? You know, to say, you know what, I received Jesus in my heart, and that means that I'm saved. I don't need to do anything else. See, many people have been brought up this way. And life has continued to teach them that, you know what, it's up to them. I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. I'm sorry, verse 21. 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 1, verse 21. It says there, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. See, many believe that. You know, many say that's foolishness. There's no way that I can attain salvation by placing my faith. That's, there's no work involved there. It's just believing. There's no labor involved. And it goes on to say, for Jews request a sign, right? They were looking for the Messiah to usher in the kingdom of God. Someone mighty and someone great. And Greeks seek after wisdom. That's all of us. This is talking about the Gentiles. You know, we think that the wisdom is in us. We think that salvation can only come through us, that we know how to do it. And then it goes on to say, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, it's a stumbling block. You know what? They, can't, they, they say there's no way that, that the Messiah, the great Messiah would come as a servant and would give His life for others to be crucified. And to the Greeks, it is foolishness to look at this man who's weak. You know, to say, you know what? I give my life for you. That shows, that's a sign of weakness, isn't it? Not to fight back. Not to argue. But yet, as we keep reading, it says, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, that's us and the Jews, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Isn't that awesome? When we think about this, you know, as I think about, you know what just my life. You know, as I think about these people right as as things got hard. You know, a lot of them wanted to go back to their Jewish faith because he's writing to Jewish Christians. And when life got hard, they say, you know what, I'm going back to my Jewish religion. I'm going back to Judaism. And so the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying, hold fast, you know, to your Christian profession. Persevere, don't be quitters. You know, for us as Christians, we know that quitting is not in us. It's not in our vocabulary. You know, we need to continue to persevere no matter how things get. And what I love about this is because, see, there's a better tomorrow for all of us. We know what's at the end of the finish line. We know all that we receive if we keep going and not give up. See, this is us. This letters to us to say to keep going. See, these Jews, you know, they were all into the law, right? It was all about keeping the Ten Commandments and all the statutes. And the different commandments that were given to Moses for the Jews. But when Jesus Christ came, He didn't come to abolish the law, but He came to give us grace and truth. And the Jews said, you know what? I can't. You know what? These, the law is how I'm going to get closer to God. It's not through this man that came. You know that this man that came that said He was a Messiah? You know what? The law is greater The law was given to us by Moses. God spoke the law to Moses so that he can give it to us. See, Jesus doesn't like religion. That's why I want to share with all of you, we as Christians, it is not a religion. We are in a relationship with the true and the living God. And when we think about this personal relationship, Jesus wants you to know him intimately. He wants you to know everything about Him. He wants you to just grow in His knowledge, in His grace, in His Word. Because the more you know Him, the more you will be like Him. And that's why there's such great opposition when it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to coming to church, when it comes to reading the Bible. How much opposition do you have? It's great, Right? The temptation of staying at home this morning in that warm bed. How many of us struggle to get up this morning? You know, as the devil is putting it in your ear and he's saying, you know what, stay in this pillow of yours, under these blankets. You know what, you could go next week, don't worry about it. Or some of your loved ones saying, you know what, don't go. Don't go to church. You could skip tomorrow, don't worry about it, you'll go another time. But see, God is calling us, calling us to know Him, to grow in Him. See religion? The reason why the Lord doesn't like religion is because, see, it takes the work. It takes the work away from Him. And religion shifts it back to you. See, that's one thing that you need to understand. Religion shifts the work to you. And what did Jesus Christ say on the cross? As He told the Father, what did He say? It is what? It is finished. The work is completed. He did all the work. There is no work that you need to do anymore. See, He was a final sacrifice. See, the Old Testament, the Old Testament, it speaks about the law. But it points to Jesus Christ. See, and it's, it, it, it's a pre-runner to what was going to happen in the New Testament. You know, the New Testament brings us to the new covenant, right? The new covenant that was given by His blood to those that believe. See, when it comes to us, that's why Jesus came to give us grace and truth. See, Moses gave the law, but Jesus gave us grace and truth. And we know that by grace you have been saved through faith. See, it is a gift of God that has been given to all of us. The gift of salvation is received by those who come to faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why he goes on to say in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it's not of works. See, works works. He knows the way we are as men and women. Everything we do, we want to work at things. We want to earn them. It's all about us. But Jesus Christ says, it's not about you. It's about my finished work, and all you have to do is believe in it. See, what the law could not do, and the Jews received it. Those that received the law, the law could not save them. See, everyone that tries to keep the law, they realize that they can't. How many of you, as I know myself, I knew the Ten Commandments, right? And every single one of them, I tried to keep them. And every time I failed, I knew, you know what, I'm not going to make it. Because I failed with this holy law. And if I fail with that holy law, that means that I fall short. And I can't make it into heaven. See, that's what the law did. It condemned you. It said you're not good enough. And there are so many people in bondage to the law today, aren't they? I got to keep it. I got to do it. And they realize that they can. And they keep trying and trying instead of just receiving the Lord. Receiving His grace, His truth. I'm going to read to you from Galatians chapter 2. In Galatians chapter 2, we know that the book of Galatians, it was written. It was written to share grace. It was uh, written to combat legalism. And there in chapter 2, verse 16, it says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. You cannot be justified. You cannot be cleared You cannot be forgiven of your sin by the works of the law. It says, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. No matter what you try to do when it comes to the law, you will not be justified because you will fail. And the word of God says, if you fail in one, you fail them in all. You know why that is? Because one sin, one little lie will separate you from God because God is holy and righteous and he cannot be in the presence of sin. And so that's what we have here. And with that, I want us now to get into the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews, the epistle to the Hebrews is so rich. You know, I'm so excited to get into this book. and, And you know what? It is just an awesome book. I want you to know that many don't like teaching the book of Hebrews because they say it's difficult to understand. That it's hard. But yet, when we look at the book of Hebrews, it is so simple. And it is simple to those that can spiritually discern it. Remember what the Word says, the natural man can never discern the things of the Spirit. Meaning, if you are unsaved, yes, this book will not make sense to you. But if you are saved, if you have given your faith to Jesus Christ, then it will make all the sense. And it will illuminate the truth of God to our hearts. And with that, let's begin to read verse 1. It says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Let's talk about one thing. I want to share this with you. What separated man from God? Sin, right? It's that simple. I want you to know that the gospel is so simple. Sin separated man from God. And so God loves us, right? He created us in His image. And if He loves you so much, He wants to restore that fellowship, right? He wants to restore the fellowship between man and God because it has been destroyed by sin. But how do we know God? You know, how is it that we are going to come to know God? In the Old Testament, before Christ came, He had to send messengers. He had to send people that would speak His Word, that would tell you. How is it that you can restore fellowship with the true and the living God? And so He sent prophets. And that's what He means. He says, you know what? That at various times, He spoke through the fathers, to the fathers, the forefathers, the fathers of our faith, he says, by the prophets. See, as we go into verse 2, it says here, that has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Let's read it again so it can make better sense. It says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the, prof- by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. You know, I want to talk about this. We're going to spend a bit of time on this. See, I want to talk to you first of all about the prophets and then when we talk about Jesus Christ. See, when you think about the prophets, these prophets were men that were called by God, right? But they were just one man. They were various men. And each one of them had a message, but it wasn't a complete message. And so when we talk about Jesus Christ, the message that Jesus Christ came to give is that He is the Son of God. And that there's only one Son. And you know what He came to give? The final message. See, that's why Jesus Christ is superior to the prophets. And the Jews love the prophets. You know, the Jews, the prophets were everything to them. Moses, they idolized. It was to them, you know what? Moses gave us the law. But when we look at Jesus Christ, he's the Son of God. And he gave the complete message. And he came by one man. Not by various men, which shows that they were what? Inadequate to the Son of God. Who came and gave that complete message. In the last days, it says there. You know what? The last days begin after Jesus Christ came. And the last days are at us today. You know, these times, we know, are the last days for each and every one of us. But as the writer says here, in these last days, the words by God were spoken to us by His Son. If you need to know God and anything about God, you know where it's at? It's here. Everything that we need to know about God is here. Everything you want to know about Him, everything you want to know about the life here on earth, everything you want to know about the afterlife, everything you want to know about salvation, about being saved, everything you want to know about all that there is, there has to do when it comes to the spiritual things and even to the physical things, it is written in His book. But one thing I want to share with you is that Jesus reveals God. And why does He reveal God? Because He is God. And I'm going to give you some scriptures. And you don't need to turn here because I'm going to go quickly through them. In John chapter 10, in verse 30, it says, I am, I and my Father are one. In John chapter 14, verse 9, it says, He who has seen me has seen the Father. And in John 15, verse 18, it goes on to say, I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. It is in 518. I'm sorry, I wrote down the wrong verse. In 5.18, it goes, on, it goes on to say that therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. See, the love of God is so great. I want to talk about this because the love of God is so great that he sent his son to restore fellowship with us. He sent His Son to speak to us. He sent His Son to reveal to us. And let's think about this, right? Because God, who is in heaven, left that glorious place. You know, He left the comfort of heaven above to come to reveal Himself to us. You know what? He came into this world, right? To die. He came to die. To suffer and to die so that we can live. You know, that's how much God loves us. And the Word of God says that there is no greater love than for a man to lay down his life for his friend. This is supreme love. And this is exemplified by Him where He was worshipped in heaven and He decided to leave heaven above for us. You know, as I think about this, you know, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, this is amazing. You know, as he says, you know what, that he didn't consider it robbery, You know, as he came in the form of a man, we know that he didn't consider robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. You know, coming down, you know what? His glory was not revealed to us, right? His glory was shaded by flesh. You know, we could not see God in His perfect glory, but yet it was veiled by His flesh. But what it? Why did God send His Son, right? To die for us, but to speak His message to us. See, He came to speak His message to you and to me. And I want us to think about this. You know, what message? The message that we have received, what do you do with that message? You know, as we go back to Hebrews, I want us to turn to Hebrews chapter 3. And there is a very important message when it comes to to the hearing. It says there in verse 7, to hearing this message, it says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. I want to talk about this. See, when we hear... See, because we all have ears, right? The Lord has given us two ears to hear, right? And it's in proportion to our mouth because he wants us to hear more than we talk. But when we hear, there's something that needs to be involved with our hearing. And as the word has revealed, it's our hearts. Our hearts need to be open to the gospel. Our hearts need to be open to hear the words of God. If our hearts are hardened, we're not going to receive the gospel. I want to share this with you, and I'm going to give you an illustration of this. I remember, I remember there was my wife's aunt and another a relative of mine. They kept inviting me. You know what? I want you to go to Calvary Chapel Golden Springs with Raul Reese, And I was like, no, I don't need to go. said I'm not gonna go I don't need to go and they kept pushing me and pushing me and my heart was hard my heart was closed and I remember sitting it must have been like about five rows back from the uh, from the altar where he was preaching and I remember my wife I know she was all excited I could hear her and her aunt talking and they were so happy that I had gone And I remember he was preaching the gospel. And you know what? And I said, you know what? I ain't going to listen to this. And I hardened my heart. And he gave that message. And in spite of that message, I said, you know what I'm going to do? Is I'm going to go to church, but I'm just going to go to sleep. And when Raul Reese was preaching up there, that's exactly what I was doing. I hardened my heart and I fell asleep. But see as the Lord began to convict me, as He began to work on me, by His Spirit, He convicted me of my sin, and my need for Jesus. And then I had my wife's uncle, and you know what's amazing about this is, uh, I don't know if I've shared it with him, I think I have, but maybe I haven't, but I remember him and my brother-in-law talking. And we had built a, like a playground for my kids. And he says, you know what, I have a lot of sawdust if you want to put it in your playground. And I said, yeah. And so we went to his house, my brother-in-law and my wife's uncle. And I remember when both of them, they began to share with one another about Jesus. And they began to share their love for Jesus. And they began to share all that Jesus was doing in their lives. And I remember saying, I want to know Jesus the way they know Jesus. I want my life to be changed the way their lives have been changed. And so I went to Calvary Chapel Montebello. And I remember my brother-in-law saying, hey, I'll go with you. I said, no, 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 no. I want to go on my own. Because I want to hear, I want, I want to hear Jesus the way you have heard Him. I didn't want any, any type of, of distraction or any hindrance. And this time when I went to Calvary Chapel Montebello with Ponch, my heart was open and I received the Lord. I share this with many of you. I remember raising my hands and I was was just filled with tears because you know what? My heart was open to hear the word of God. See, as the writer of Hebrews says, today if you will hear your voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. I was no longer in rebellion. My heart was open to him and now I was able to hear his voice. I was able to understand the things of the Spirit. I was able to discern them now. And now when I would hear the Word of God and I would read the Word of God, it was all living and it was alive and it was truth. See, this same message is for all of us. When it comes now hearing what He expects of us and what He wants of us and what He has plans for us, how are our hearts Are your hearts hardened? Or are they here to hear the truth? You know what? It's so easy for many of us to backslide. I'll share this with you. When you stop coming to church and hearing the Word of God, when you stop reading the Word of God, you start hearing other things, don't you? You start hearing other voices and other things that are now teaching you, other things that captivate you. And so it becomes a slow fade. And you fall back into the world where you came out of. You remember the pit that you came out of. Why do you want to go back into it? See, the King of Kings has the most important message for all of us. The message of salvation. The gift of salvation. And I don't think any of us here, this includes myself, can completely comprehend all the spiritual blessings that God has given us. I don't think there's none of us here that can truly comprehend that if we did, you know that our lives would be completely different than they are today? Your life would be changed. Your priorities would be much different. But as he tells us here, he says in verse 2, whom he has appointed heir of all things, Through whom also he made the world. You know, when we look at Jesus Christ, he has appointed him heir of all things. All things belong to Jesus Christ. And he says also, whom also he made the world. In other words, you know what? Jesus is heir to all, and Jesus made all. Isn't that amazing? I don't know if we can truly comprehend that. I mean, sometimes I think about it. I I think too much about it. I just say, forget it. You know why? Because it becomes very confusing. But in its simplicity, if we just look at it and say, Jesus is heir, And Jesus made all things. You know, in Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1, it talks about this. It says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We all came out of darkness and He has conveyed us into the kingdom of the, uh, uh, of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. This is what we're celebrating today. The redemption of His blood, through His blood, and the forgiveness of sins. Verse 15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. It's amazing how many people are worshiping the created things instead of the one that created them all. This is a deception of the devil. How many, of, how many people are worshiping the sun, the moon, the stars, the trees? These earth lovers, they worship that instead of the one that created them all. Why waste your time on the created things versus that who created them all? Everything has been divinely created. There's no way that we came out of a big bang and the world came poof and fell into its perfect place like it is today. There is a divine hand that made it all. And why not worship him? And the gospel is telling us it is he that made it all. And it is He that holds it together. As we go back to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3 says, Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Let's talk about the first one. Who being the brightness of His glory. Talked a little, a little bit about this. Gl- the glory that they're talking about is the Shekinah glory. We'll talk about the Shekinah glory. Did tell you know that the Shekinah glory, the glory of God, was present in the tabernacle? And we talked about this on Thursday. The Shekinah glory was also present because what happened is the glory of God faded. It, it, he, he pulled away because people began to sin. And they began to have an adulterous relationship with God where they decided to worship the idols instead of God Himself. They gave their love to idols to things that are created instead of the Creator. So the Shekinah glory pulled away from the Jews. And so when the Shekinah glory pulled away, it came back when Solomon built the temple of God. And the Shekinah glory once again fell in the temple of God. But what happened after that? is that people again began to worship other things. And the Shekinah glory pulled away. And many of you may be wondering, well, what Shekinah glory am I talking about? I'm talking about the presence of God. I'm talking about the radiance of God. That's what Shekinah glory means. The presence and the radiance of God that is present. Let me share this with all of you. The gospel tells us in John chapter 1, In verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory again, the Shekinah glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And when Jesus Christ left, we didn't behold the glory anymore. But did you know that the glory of God is now living in you? You and I are the temple of God and that glory is now in us. But as we see from the book of Hebrews, from the epistle to the Hebrews, we see there that who being the brightness of His glory, the glory of God and the express image of His person. We're talking about the image of uh, the exact, uh, uh, it says the express image of His person. In other words, the person of God. Do you know what express image means? The express image that is spoken of here, it is an exact imprint. So in other words, God, Jesus Christ, is the exact imprint of God. Why did I read these other scriptures to you? When you see, Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. And then it goes on to say, upholding all things by the word of His power, which is read in Colossians, that everything has been spoken by Him. But this term also is saying that He is directing all things to His sovereign purpose. Everything that we see today is for His sovereign purpose. And I want to share a little bit about this because this is so important. If you do not see the fact that Christ is coming soon for us, you have been blinded by Satan. You know, when we look at the world around us, the moral depravity that is out there, the financial meltdown, did you know that there is an economic bankruptcy that will be hitting us soon? It's all going to fall apart. Do you look at the natural disasters that are out there, the tsunamis, the earthquakes? The Lord said that these are the signs of the times. Did you know that Jesus Christ is coming soon for His church? See, because we are not going to be a part of that. The Lord says that He has not appointed His believers to wrath. Just like He took out uh, Noah. Just like He took out uh, Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah those that are his chosen ones, he didn't allow them to experience the wrath of God. And the same thing is for his church. We are looking for God, for Jesus Christ to come down and to take out his church. It's coming soon. You know, this nation that was birthed, right, as a nation under God, we are turning our backs on him. The last nation, one of the Last nations to be a Christian nation is turning their backs on God and we are now calling what evil good think about that and we are calling good evil everything that we represent they are calling evil can you believe that that is what is happening in our society today everything that we represent is now evil in the sight of men And it is a shame. See, as we think about this, everything has its sovereign purpose. God has allowed this nation to go where it wanted to go. He didn't force us. These are our rebellious hearts, just like the nation of Israel that turned their way, their back on God. God still has a purpose for Israel and He still has a purpose for us. But one thing I do know, Is that the signs are all there. Jesus is coming back for his church. And this should move us to a life of right living. A life of purity. A life to share with our friends and our family. The truth of the gospel. You know, it was awesome yesterday. I had a little party for my daughter, Carissa. And you know what? The message there was that, as for me and my house, we are serving the Lord. God is to be glorified in our homes, in our lives, in everything that we do if we are committed to Him. These are the last days. And it all depends on you. Are you going to take this message? Are you going to live it out? It just can't be words that are spoken. You got to back it up with your actions. And this is what God wants from us. This is a time to get right with God. And he said, And he had by himself purged our sins. You know what purged our sins means? It means to clear the guilt and punishment of our sins. Jesus Christ took upon our sins. And as his word says that we are the accepted in the beloved. In other words, we are accepted by the beloved because of our faith in Jesus Christ. When Christ, you know, our righteousness has been given to us because of our faith in Christ is what his word says. And he goes on to say, who sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He allowed Jesus Christ to sit at his right hand. Did you know to have somebody sit at your right hand means what? That you are equal with them. There is no one greater than another. They are equal and Jesus Christ has been given that right as we read in Philippians as we read in Colossians as we've been sharing with you today and let's we're going to close with this verse having become so much better than the angels as he has been as he by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they Jesus Christ is better than the angels. How many people here have worshipped angels? Did you know that there are two religions out there that believe that Jesus is an angel? The Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus is Michael, the archangel. And the Mormons believe that Jesus is a brother of Lucifer, the fallen angel. Think about that. That's why when they read Hebrews they can't understand it. They say, no, Jesus is an angel. How could he be an angel if he created all the angels? He can't be greater. The creation cannot be greater than the Creator. Jesus is superior to them. This is all heresy and false doctrine. See, Jesus says He is God. And if He is God, we are to worship Him as God. And we are to do as He says. You know, the book of Hebrews is going to be filled with doctrine about Jesus Christ. And as we keep going through the book, you're going to see, and God is going to illuminate to us His truth when it comes to who He is. And with that, we're going to pray and we're going to have communion. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank You, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for revealing your glorious word to us, Lord. And we know that, that Lord, that this book, this epistle written to the Hebrews has been written to us today, Lord. Because your word is alive, it is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We know that ultimately all scriptures have been inspired by, your, by you, Holy Spirit. You're the one that revealed these words and had them pen your words. But as we mentioned earlier, it's a time to get right with you and this is why we come here, Lord. To hear your word and to get right with you. None of us want to be left behind where the wrath of God is going to come upon this world. Where there's going to be such disastrous Events going on where even demons will be released upon this world to do as they please where anyone that professes Jesus Christ as God has a possibility of being beheaded but your word says that you did not appoint us to wrath but to salvation through Jesus Christ there's anyone here that wants to make themselves right with the Lord That wants a forgiveness of their sins this is a time of salvation raise your hand and we will pray for you amen 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 Lord Jesus we thank you for these hands that went up Lord Lord they're children of you and the only way they can be children of God is through Jesus Christ and this is who they're accepting and inviting into their lives Lord, they're doing it before men, and we thank you for that. So we give you praise, glory, and honor, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Men, if you could come forward. As the men are passing out communion,